back to my next quote to live your life by. I want to continue with the idea in it today of that travel inherently makes you a better human being. It makes you a fuller, more complete human being. That you'll find empathy and kindness um, and, and care and concern for other people that you never knew that you had if you will adopt the nomadic lifestyle. And I know that's hard to believe, but I've seen it over and over again. And I believe when you watch my videos and the videos of many, many other people, you'll see it in them. You, it's, it's undeniable. You just see it. When you watch the, the nomadic community, van dwellers, car dwellers, RVers, Five, four, you just find three. the nicest, kindest, most compassionate Hello, people. Welcome to another episode of the Agency Podcast. Eugene Napik here in Toronto. And Candy Minx here in Chicago. How are you doing, Eugene? Doing well, thanks. Is this, uh, I've already forgotten. Is this 104 or 105? Oh, I think it's 104. You think so? Okay. I think so, yeah. I think so. I don't know anymore. You'd you think that we could keep track. <laughs> no, I don't think we could. <laughs> hmm. I've got a hey. nice cup of tea here. Are you drinking booze by now? Uh, no, I just have water today. Okay, uh, I've got water and tea. I thought about uh, having a drink, but I'm too tired. <laughs> how come you're so tired? I just had one of those busy days, and I had a COVID test this morning, and I had nosebleed for two hours. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was icky, not pleasant. So what would be even more pleasant is if it's positive. <laughs> Let's hope it's negative. <laughs> <laughs> yep, did the drive through at Walgreens. Oh, yeah. Is that how they yeah. do it? Yeah, you can. I guess there's other options. I just was feeling particularly like the least amount of stress possible. I didn't predict I would bleed for two hours. <laughs> Say that you went through just passing me tissue for, you know, a whole box of tissue. So for our, for our listeners who may not know, what, can you explain why you've got oh, a Oh, because desk? I'm going to, um, I've got an app on my phone called Arrive Can, which is short for Arrive Canada. And I guess life was just too difficult to put the whole world Canada in there. Uh, the whole word of Canada is just arrive. Canada, you have to have your vaccination proof and you have to load up a COVID negative test, hopefully, onto the app. And that's going to make it very easy to go through the border. That's what, I, that's what I'm believing. And I'm going with that. And I've got my app. I haven't figured out how to get new apps onto my phone now. I can only access them through the app store. I don't know what I'm missing. Anyway, I'll figure that out. Is there another way? No, what I mean is, you know, usually when you get a, an app, it shows up on your phone. What do you call it? A desktop? <laughs> you don't call that on your phone. Your screen, your home screen. Yes. Yeah, not your desktop. I've got it. I've got the app, but it doesn't sit on my... Oh, you know, I had a problem with, with the Uber Eats app like that. <laughs> I had the app, but it didn't stick on my phone. Right. So anytime I wanted to use the Uber Eats ordering machine, I would have to go to the app store That's to what open I'm the app. That's yeah, exactly what I'm saying. I um, don't know what I'm missing here. I deleted the I, app and then restart, re reinstalled okay. uh, it, and it seems fine. Oh, all right. I'll try that. I'll try that later. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the basic shut it off and turn it on again mm -hmm. approach. Oh, that's yeah, that high tech approach. Good. Hey, so listen, I oh. I owe the yeah. podcast a story. Oh, you do. I do, okay. and I'm going to pay up. All right. Because you know, last Sounds last good. episode, I started into telling this story, and I was right. talking about the building that I lived in, the old casket factory. And you went blank. 
and and suddenly I realized I had no idea what story I, I intended uh, yeah. to tell. Yeah, I couldn't help you because there was not even a clue when you segued into it, so I wasn't sure. Right. Usually, so, I can guess where you're going. So, <laughs> am I that predictable? <laughs> because I've heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, number eighty-four. In this particular building, uh-huh. we used to have a lot of uh, film crews come in. They would film TV shows and movies uh, in our funky old warehouse building. Uh-huh. And um, I was living in this old casket factory, contravening the zoning bylaw. Uh-huh. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. Um in amongst a bunch of other people allegedly contravening right. the zoning bylaw. We had a zone of our own at the time. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I was living there with my cat, William. Well, you got a special William. cat because you were allergic at first, and this breed was apparently good for allergies. Well, yes, somebody I know, somebody <laughs> I know said, you can, the way to get rid of your cat allergies <laughs> is to get a cat. That's now, right. Who would and suggest something like that? Your wife. No, oh, she, she didn't <laughs> it. You suggested it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the queen of diversion. I'm trying to divert this. Yeah, and then I said you wash them once a month. Yeah, so and then, get like, a cat and wash it once a month. And wash them, like give them a bath once a month. Like how, and, and, you know, that's like when, when the vets sell you the, the cat toothpaste by telling you how expensive <laughs> the, the dental surgery is going to be. And you get it home and you realize, I can't brush my cat's teeth. This is not going to happen. Well, also, it's you're a new cat. dating your cat. Right, you're a new cat person, you're a new companion to a cat, and then I'm also requesting that you bathe them once a month. But yes, it does work because the dander drops and you build immunity over that month period. Uh, However, and at the same time, you instructed me to eat bee pollen. I did. <laughs> and, and, so, and so I didn't know better Welcome at the time. Welcome to my world. Welcome I, to my I, world. I thought, well, well, Candy must know. So, I did. You know, she knows about cats. You were fine. So, so as it turned out, I was fine. I got this cat named William, and William was a PhD cat. He yeah. was just too smart to be a cat. Right. Um, for instance, he liked to play games, but as soon as he'd figure out the game, he would scream at me to invent a new game. Right. Right, because he always needed to have a new game. He was so smart. He always knew what was going on. I used to take him places. I would pack him up in the, you know, I would go to go to, to see uh, my friend Vox, uh, to play go and and i would uh i would load him up in a cat carrier and bring That's him over amazing. he would bop around there have a great old time would you take a traveling cat box with you yeah yeah oh, i took them all brilliant. over the place that's and brilliant. he did that for a couple of years and then suddenly he he got car sick oh every time he got in the car oh. so we had to stop that but you could he have was given so, him some cat gravel <laughs> he was so smart uh give him some bee pollen it'll, it'll work right um so um William and I were sitting there. I was reading. He was on my lap. And, you know, we were having a nice afternoon. And we could hear the film crew out in the hallway of, of the casket factory outside my, they were setting up outside my studio. And we could hear the whole crew doing all their stuff. And, and suddenly, we could hear, quiet, ready, <laughs> action. And as soon as he said action, William ran up to the door and he was um, that breed of cat that was called uh, an Oriental short hair, which is like a Siamese, but different, but has the same voice as a Siamese. And he let loose a blood curdling yell right after action. (laughs) 
and, and then we heard, stop. What the hell's going on here? What was that? And they're all talking about it. And yeah. then William's completely quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and they get all ready again. And you hear, okay, quiet, ready, action. And William let out a blood-curdling <laughs> holler again. <And> cut! <laughs> well, this happened three or four times. Um, and then they, they put together a plan. And I heard someone by my, the door of the studio. And they never thought, oh, I'll just knock and see if right, anyone's home. Right. They never thought that. Instead, somebody started shoving a piece <laughs> of bologna underneath the door with the idea that William would grab the piece of bologna and be sated and will shut up right. while they do their filming. I guess they figured out that you never fed him. I guess. So I, guess. I tiptoed over <laughs> to the door and as Buddy was shoving the bologna under the door, I pulled it. <laughs> so they think it's like the tiger They think chain. it's him. <laughs> so I've now got this piece of bologna. Make a sandwich. Exactly. And and they're all ready. They're gonna they're gonna shoot again and you hear quiet ready <clears throat> action. <laughs> and William let out a blood curling <laughs> scream again. They need to get you a hotel with your traveling cat. <sighs> they never did knock on the door. Instead, what they did was they got layers of this insulating insulating blankets against yeah. my wall, uh, covering my door. And when I finally went out, I couldn't <laughs> open my door because it was covered by insulation blankets. Well, it's just so also strange to me that you didn't go out and talk to them. But I guess you were busy doing your life. I was having so much fun with, with <laughs> William screaming at them. Like he had figured out the game. As soon as they say action, you scream. It cost the bad 80s TV Canadian production thousands of dollars for well, your entertainment. As well, you know, at the time, yeah. I didn't have the best relationship with the film community. I did um, not know that. Um, they, I mean, they were they were always around the building. Oh, they I were see. they were rude AF, yeah. rude AF. Like they owned yeah. everything, and yeah. you had to just bow Some to scum. all their wishes. I know, right? I know. And then there was always somebody who would get paid like two thousand dollars to use your studio. And right. was it ever me? No, no, no. Why right? I get yeah. I get uh, blankets over my my door. <laughs> Uh, so I mean, we called them we called them film scum at the time. Yes. We weren't exactly impressed with the no, no. with the community. Although you know, later on, I made friends with a number of people who worked in that. That's community, right. So. That's right. Um, and and now we have them here in our neighborhood. Every now and then, one of our neighbors rents out his house to people to do commercials or TV shows right, and that right. kind of stuff. Right. And you know, it's amazing the number of vehicles that are required to film a thirty second commercial. Like, wow. why do you need 60 trucks and 400 cars covering three streets? I don't get it. I do not get it. I don't know. I don't know. Things things take up space. You know, the good news is that um, it's a lot of money for the city. They spend a lot of restaurants. They spend a lot yes, around exactly. the world. I have to silence my phone. All of a sudden, I'm getting popular. Yeah, exactly. I've come to terms with the, uh, with the film community. Okay. I don't call them right. film scum anymore. <laughs> I try to be friendly to them. Yeah, it's, you know... It's weird because sometimes, you know, we've got some people that come around and go to restaurants here and sometimes they tip, sometimes they don't. And they buy a lot of uh, food for the production. You know, they've got a budget for tipping. But uh, so then you always wonder, is somebody taking that? Are they not? They don't care about the businesses. 
you just kind of wonder, that's a lot of work putting together $500 worth of sandwiches or spaghetti or something, you know? Well, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I should have had a better relationship with the film community because... It's pretty funny. Um, because we, I mean, we, had, we had friends yeah. who, at the time, were, were working yeah. there. Yeah. And, in fact, in fact, one friend that we had, Michael, hired my mom to That's make right. Polish food for, That's right. for the actors. That's right. He was on, on uh, ENG. When I talked to Malcolm last week when I was in, um, you know, Michigan, he... he Malcolm, who we both know from Pop Culture Dish blog back in the day, who wrote great trivia questions, he knows so much trivia and so much about pop culture and TV culture, um, especially like made-for-TV movies and stuff. Anyway, he was listing off the Canadian the Canadian TV programs from the 80s and 90s, EMG, and what was it? I, I can't even remember them, Night Heat, that Michael worked on. So that's uh, kind of funny. Yeah. And that the beautiful meat sticks would go to the set. Your mom's meat sticks. Yes, yes, her uh, her patichki. They were Yum. so good. So good. And she loved she loved the fact. Well, first of all, <laughs> My, Michael could charm the tail off a rat. Yeah, I he mean, could. he was just. He was just the most charming guy, and uh, my mom loved him. Yeah, she completely adored him, and yeah. and totally enjoyed whenever she got a little cooking gig. Yes, yes, so great. Hey, on a different note, I, I figured you might know this answer. Why do so many rich people want to go to space? I don't know, but I think it's a good spot for them. <laughs> but why does Jeff Bezos want to go to space? And why does he, he already owns all space? of the universe, all of the like the Earth? Now he I wants know. to he wants to see if there's opportunities. Is that what it is? To, to is buy space? I don't know. Right? Is it like a, a way to be an explorer or something? Like I just don't get it. I know um, they're just bored with all... the world, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, Elon Musk had said that he thought that it was going to collapse, so he wants to have a, you know maybe an access to Mars. So human life can go on that, there's some logic there also what about spending money to make it so we don't collapse the earth uh, yeah there's that there's yeah. that um you know what i watched um we caught up in a few snl lately and i guess that's why it's in my mind is that i know it came up on the news with jeff bezos and then there's all these people that pay 55 million dollars for a supposed little ticket to go to space and jeff bezos or someone like him is going up in space this week and he's retired from Amazon. And um, Elon Musk was hosting SNL a few months ago, but I never saw it until last week. I recorded it. Um, it was, I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. It was actually really, really funny. <laughs> he was a pretty good host. I was quite surprised. And he and his partner, Grimes, are like walked right out of a William Gibson novel. She's like a Canadian pop music star and with one of the richest men in the world. And he dresses like a sprocket. Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> He's got that high-tech uh, black ear, almost like film people. Almost, you know, film people always had that very expensive black clothing. I probably did it too. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> um, it was pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, Steak and I binged about three SNLs, and I think this season, the whole season of SNL, if there's anybody out there watches, I'd love to know what you thought of it. There were some there were some sketches and bits on there this year that just made me so glad I watched it. Uh, there was one with um, 
I, I used to watch it in, yeah. in, in the 70s. I still, I'm, I'm still devoted all these years. I've been watching it all of these years. She Even when sometimes she watches it. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe Sheila saw one because there was one sketch called The Muppet Show. I'll have to share it on Facebook where Stag and I still are talking about it because it's so The Muppet Show. So they recreated the two grumpy men up in the balcony and then Kermit's, you know, hosting a show and he gets a guest. Lily Tomlin comes on. Uh, one of the uh, one of the performers plays Lily Tomlin, and then there's two ushers, and they're trying to keep these old guys quiet. And at one point, he says, "Come on, that little I'm, I'm trying to help the little dragon and his friend, calling Kermit dragon." And I just can't stop laughing about it. It's just such innocent, beautiful humor. The little dragon. There's been some good sketches, really good. I don't know. I'm glad Sheila still watches it. Steak and I watch it religiously. Yeah. Yep, no matter what, we'll just, even if we don't laugh every sketch or see what they're making fun of, but they've been really good this year. Uh, Sheila um, Sheila complained to the TV set yesterday. Oh, she did? Yes, because she went to turn on um, that Jeff, Jeff Lewis flip it out show, mm-hmm. and, and he wasn't on. Oh, because of the long weekend. I guess it, was, yeah. it had to do with the... The long the weekend. Holiday, yeah. um, he wasn't on. They they had some other show about making decks on instead. Oh. And normally she gets her after work unwinding fix of, <laughs> of two hours of watching this dysfunctional passive aggressive uh, right. designer. Right, right. Uh, and uh, and totally loves it. So she's relieved that he's on again, and she's watching tonight the, the two episodes in a row tonight. Oh, good. Okay, good. He well, was that talking must about, be in syndication, huh? Uh, I guess. It's gone back in time, I think, even oh. since I've tuned in a couple of Is times. Is it on Bravo there? It's on Twist. Okay, I got you. So that's it. They bought the show, and I guess that's how she I guess that's what, and they just keep showing it. I don't even know what Twist is, except that um, we get it uh, from Buffalo. Um, we, we gave up cable a number of years ago, as you know, and what we have instead is we have... Um, a little antenna on the roof that that picks up the digital signals. Mm. Um, we uh, we used to have one that kind of got a few channels, and then we got a guy in who installed one up on the chimney um, that's a better quality one, and he aimed it like appropriately at Buffalo. And we get tons of channels now. Uh, every now and then, of course, if it's bad weather or something, we don't yeah. we don't get them. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but the HD antenna is what they're called, and. <clears throat> Um, for us, it saved us years of, uh, of cable payments. That's right. Unlike some people in this room. <laughs> so addicted to my cable. It's yeah, terrible. I can't even remember when we had cable. It was so long ago. It was in this house we had cable, but yeah. that's so years yeah. ago, though. Well, now you can watch all the streaming. So I watched uh, the most streamed movie the other day. What's that? It's called The Tomorrow War. And it was on Amazon, and I guess it hit over two and a half million people streaming it this past weekend for the July 4th weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a science fiction. It was okay. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It stars Chris Pratt, and he carried the whole show, and he was a lot of fun. And um, But I felt like the dialogue wasn't very good, and the story wasn't very good. The science fiction, Details. the scenery are good. You know, they were, they were great. Once well, that's, mon- what, that's what they go for now, really, is I the effects. I guess so. What, once, the, once the monsters were part of it, it got pretty exciting. Well, but, monsters um, really improve almost any They really any movie. improve any movie, I would say. And in fact, I could think of some movies in which the introduction <laughs> of a monster halfway through would definitely improve it. 
totally, totally. So I watched that. That was kind of interesting. It was pretty good. I don't can't really recommend it. It was kind of like um, what did I say? It meets. It's like Law and Order meets a Hallmark TV movie meets Stormship Store Starship Trooper. <laughs> so it's not the highest recommendation, maybe, but it wasn't horrible. It, it looked. The monsters were really good. They were super creepy. They have like ten arms. And they Ooh. kind of look like a bug, but then they kind of look like a cockroach bug Ooh, or creepy. a creep. Yeah, they were very creepy. They had like eyes in their hands. Their hands were like tentacles, but they had these three prongs Ooh. that opened up with them. What appeared to that be would an be eyeball. handy having an eye in your hand. I know. That's very Pan's Labyrinth. I don't know if you remember that. They, they had eyes in their hands. And no. this one character had eyes in his hands. And um, then it shoots at a dart. And so they've got like four or five dart hands shooting at people which oh, is also so handy creepy. because that way you have the eye in your hand and you have the dart to see where shooter, to shoot it. and yeah. so you can aim properly perfectly perfectly yeah they are quite an effective monster and it had some strange things that oh you know what it looked like when they got to the monsters it was so much like half-life they had the <laughs> broken windows and the blood on the wall and, uh, and, and trails of uh you know you had to kind of figure Half-life. out what was going on. Half-Life is my, my one foray into <laughs> the right. video gaming world. That's right. And so it sort of looked like Half-Life. It looked a bit like Fallout too, the new game Fallout, a newer game Fallout. And um, it just had that creepy thing like, where is everybody? Um, but they didn't have a lot of time travel. It was time travel, but they didn't play with time travel in a way that I thought was super effective. Okay. I could be wrong on that, but... Um, the monsters were called white spikes and they did have some, it was interesting because I think of Chris Pratt, I've come to know he's a very good performer. The camera loves him. He's in guardians of the galaxy. He's really funny. He's in the Lego movie. Um, we call him uh, awesome sauce around here. Cause he always says mm-hmm. awesome sauce. He was in uh, parks and rec. That's where he says awesome sauce. Mm-hmm. And then he says like, so he's a teacher and he puts out science is important. Intergenerate intergenerational unresolved issues are part of it ecological collapse capitalism and money can't save you so there's those little bit of themes in there but um it seemed more like it could have been really good for a 10 year old but then i don't know if a 10 year old would enjoy it because it was too many adults so anyway i see there that would be the hallmark tv part of it we dialogue uh, we watched a denzel film the other day Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, the Little Things. It's a new one. Oh, I wanted to see that. Yeah, it's come out Uh-oh. to... Oh, is um, it scary? Uh, I wouldn't call it scary. It's a thriller. Um, it came out to bad reviews. Uh, right. I think I think uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the aggregate site, gives it 45%. Right. But... I mean, you have to interpret these things. Yes, it's 45%, but it has Denzel, yes, so which is an automatic it. 10% more. Definitely. Just automatic. So up to, already it's up to 55 without even looking at the rest of the cast. Mm. And it has uh, Rami Malek. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to put it up an extra 7% after that. Oh, just, okay. Just because he's in it. He's good. Okay, and then Jared Leto as the bad guy. I love him. Okay, so Jared Leto add another five percent. Definitely. So already, already it's yeah, got a twenty-two percent just I, because of the cast. I'm afraid you're gonna spoil it for me, though. <laughs> I, I'll try not to spoil it for you. Yeah, you know, it's my fault for not seeing it. Okay, I, I will say this: it's yep. 
it's Denzel is a cop who's moved out of the big city to a smaller place after having a heart attack uh, while chasing some case um, in a really obsessive and ridiculous manner. Okay, so a little bit like Rear Window. I mean, uh, Vertigo. Okay. Um, it's. I think it's a little bit like a lot of yep. uh, thrillers yep. where you have the burned out detective. Yep. Well, he comes back into the city and there's a case that appears to be related to um, the case he's been chasing down for years. And Ravi Malek plays the cop in charge of the case here. Ah, that'd be good. That's good okay. chemistry. Be- was yes. there good chemistry between yes, them? Yes, there, there was excellent chemistry. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Ravi Malek has the same traits and the same demons as the Denzel character. And oh, that's wow. why they get along so well. Okay. Okay. I so, like so you've got two really, really dark detectives, um, obsessive, self-destructive, and you've got a bad guy who's a serial killer who toys with them oh. and enjoys, enjoys uh, toying with them. Um, I love it. Okay. The script is a little bit on the so-so side. Okay. There's, there's, you're going to watch it. You're going to say, Oh yeah, this is kind of like this. And this is kind of like that. Right. And this is kind of like, um, Oh, maybe this is kind of like seven or this is kind of like, um, Zodiac or, you know, there's a whole bunch of those sorts of, of movies that kind of, it's almost a genre. It is kind of a genre and it's a genre I enjoy, especially if it captivates me a little bit. That's why I kept with the Tomorrow Award because I like science fiction. It really, you know, wasn't one of the better ones, but I happen to like the genre. Sure. And, you know, I'm going to say this was not um, an Oscar winning thriller. Okay. But it's a good, it's a good thriller. It's well worth watching. It's really well shot. Uh, It's shot in a way that really emphasizes the kind of ambience and emphasizes the, the dark character of the, uh, of the, the, the two main uh, police right. characters. I thought the trailer was amazing. I, I wanted to see it from the trailer. I just completely uh, forgot about it. I'm going to say, don't be afraid. You're, if some people will, they'll look on Rotten Tomatoes and they'll see the number and they'll say, oh, stinky poo poo. I'm not going to watch this right. one. Um, but I'm going to say it's well worth watching. Oh, that's pretty good for me. Well, it's well worth that's, watching. That's definitely good for <laughs> pretty me. Pretty good for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I call that a high recommendation from you. Okay. All right. Well, like I say, it's it's not my movie of the year. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but fun. But fun. And yeah. uh, you can watch it when you come here. It sounds very good. Um, we also, oh, yeah, go ahead. We also, to catch yes. up, we, yeah. we watch Nomadland. Oh, my God. What do you think? Well, I, I think it, it was a really good movie, first yeah. of all. Um, Frances McDormand, that, well, I mean, she just isn't bad in anything. No, she's um, not. She's she's really quite quite excellent. Uh, I don't can't compare it yet to the book because I haven't read the book. Right. Um, you know, it's film focusing on when the American dream fails and resourceful loners learn <laughs> to live in their cars, vans, right. R- RVs, become transient workers, and turn that kind of transient work into a positive because it supports a kind of lifestyle they've adopted. True. Um, well and, said. Damn it. And I, I thought that I thought it was quite quite interesting. And you know, I I really enjoy seeing people live in ways that are outside of the so-called norm. Me too. So okay. Much. And and um, 
you know, full disclosure, I lived in a casket factory. I've mentioned that for several <laughs> years. Uh, before that, I lived in a storefront on Ossington Avenue. That's true. Those are different places. And, and both were really interesting trips. Right. Uh, and you surround yourself with a different subset, I guess, of the broader society um, in those sorts of situations. You know, in the, in the casket factory, um, we had tons of musicians. There's always music playing, uh, tons of artists. There was also people working in the movie business. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a guy who was making plastic trees for, um, I don't even know where he put his plastic right. trees, but he made yeah. plastic trees for years there. Uh, there was, um, well, there was the junkies next door. That was yep. another whole yep. another yep. whole thing. Yep. Um, and they would- Part of life. Would, part of life. Um, the cops, the cops would park at the end of- Oh God! Yeah, to get their donuts. The the end of the street, there would be, they would have one car facing one way, right. the other car facing the other way at the bottom of uh, uh, Niagara uh, Tecumseh. Tecumseh, the, yeah. Tecumseh, which is the extension of Parliament South. Right, right. not Parliament. I mean, uh, uh, Palmerston South. Palmerston. Palmerston okay. South. Yes. Um, Parliament. What am I thinking? I don't so know. Anyway, the, the cops would be sitting there. Motors running. Coffees, donuts, cigarettes, and drug dealers walking by way. all the time. Oh yeah, and every and there's this like constant uh, migration of uh, of <laughs> intravenous drug users buying uh, and, heroin from right. the guy living next door. Right, um, and of course sometimes uh, sometimes they the guys wouldn't be home. So what do they do? They knock on my door, <laughs> and I'd say uh, I can't help you. Yeah, uh, why not? Uh, I don't have what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad the cops weren't arresting the customers. But having well, said that, they weren't doing anything. I mean, God, don't get in the way between a cop and his donut. Well, it's, At least you, in Canada. You know, what, what I learned about that, um, that community during that time is the general unhealthiness of that lifestyle um, those guys. You mean the they, cops or the junkies? The junkies. <laughs> oh, the cops at lifestyle also, I'm sure, was yeah. unhealthy sitting in a car, um, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and eating right. donuts. Uh, but the uh, the 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 guys who were living and using and selling in that space next door, um, I could hear coughing all the time. They were always sick. Well, it's all the cigarettes you're smoking. They're always looking like. Um, yeah, I know. They're, they're always looking like they got beat up. Why? Because yeah. they probably just got beat up. Yeah. I mean, it's just a rough lifestyle. Yeah. I had I a always... few friends that scored there. I, we knew a lot of people that went in there to get their drugs, and they were very high functioning users. Yeah. And uh, junkies are people too. I just want to make sure we say that. <laughs> uh, well, it, exactly. I, you know, uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to, to diss them. It no, was, no, I don't think you are. Was, I don't think you are. The, it was part of the fabric of the of the totally. community. But it was part of the fabric that we really wished would move on. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> because you know, it, I just didn't like all the knocking in the door and people selling drugs next door. Well, so you never know if something like a robbery is going to happen or something, right? Um, so then, what? One of the tenants there. I, no one was going to rat them out. First of all, no one liked ratting people out. Um, and as well, we were all living there illegally, allegedly. Right. So no one was going to call the cops. Um, the uh, one of the other tenants um, decided he would try to to encourage them to leave. So uh, with a 
with a bucket of paint and letters four feet tall oh, along yeah, the hallway going yeah. about 40 feet it said buy your heroin here with yeah. a with an, an arrow and the yeah. next day you saw the fellow from next door painting it over yeah. um and it was just the whole business was so sad um, yeah the, the landlord um uh finally uh paid the money to to go away mm, yeah I for me it's, it's it's the part of the the you know it's one thing serving a community on you know your i i know like uh your your friends or the people that you know but the problem is it never stays that way it's the drug dealers if somebody's short you worry about the criminals coming in and and you know that's where it's dangerous is the the people who are providing that so it's pretty yeah. scary to live next door to that so you know, anyway, I, all this is really to say that I, I appreciate yeah. the the community oh, of people yes. living uh, outside of right. what's considered the norm. Right. You know. Oh, I, and, you know, what about the scenery in that movie? Wasn't it beautiful in Nomadland? It was gorgeous. It was yeah. just beautifully shot um, yeah. all over the West, and you know, it focuses on on a group of people who um, take to the road because of necessity, because um their working lives were yanked away from them mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. uh, a lot of this happened after 2008 in america which yep. is pretty devastating um but you know i think before and after that there's always been a community of people who kind of live off the grid in that way absolutely um, absolutely we saw a taste of that in um what was the name of that film candy about the guys who were living completely off the grid um, out in, it was like Oregon or something like that. And um, they ran drills um, to hide. It's not Meek's case... Mill. No. But was it a Kathy Reichardt film? No, I don't think so. Oh. It was, it came out about a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I just can't remember the name of it. And, and there's a, a death in the family and they have to go to the city. Um, it was, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do know the movie. You, I think you talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they, at one point, um, they end up in a little RV park somewhere, uh, which is populated by people who are living as close to living in the woods as they can and still having, right. getting what they need, right? Um, so you see a lot of that kind of thing. And I think it takes a certain kind of personality to, to do it. And it, it isn't just something triggered by economic necessity because there's a lot of people who, when they lose everything, will never go anywhere, will, right. will never right. try to uh, adapt. Right. And this film is very much about people who adapt. You Definitely. Know, that's, and that, that's uh, if I just say for a second, that, that's one yeah. of the things that I think we could learn about what happened with the rise of the, of the Nazis. Uh, there was a lot of people who knew it was time to pack up and go who wouldn't go, who couldn't leave their stuff, who couldn't leave their well, lives, couldn't leave their community. And here we have people, here we have people who are the adaptable, the people whose their, their, um, their, their way of making a living has, uh, has disappeared and they find another way to live. They find another community and, and are willing to face that, are willing to face the, the loneliness of it and um, the, right. the challenge of never knowing, like, is what's going to happen if your van breaks down? How are you going to pay for it? And um, all of those sorts of things. These are 
these are all people who are super adaptable. And what's really beautiful is they help each other out. Yes. I think it's relative, though. I think um, what we can't perceive is for them, maybe it's $2,000, the, un the unknowable $2,000 of your car breaking down. Whereas other people, it's like, what if there was a hurricane? What if there was a force of nature? What about that building in Surfside, Florida? They didn't know they were going to have this unimaginable loss right now. Right. And there they were doing the so-called normal fitting into society. So we never know what our future is. Um, with the, the, the people who are, didn't, I think they were gambling on the fact that it couldn't be that bad with the Nazis. They knew it was bad, but I don't think anyone understood that there would be concentration camps and murder like that. I think that it was more like, um, you know, when you're in denial, it's a burning frog, the boiling frog, where it's, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a yes. slow burn to find out all of a sudden the frog stays in the water because it's just slightly tepid. Then it gets warmer. Then when it gets too warm, he's too weak to get out of the pot. Next yes. thing you know, he's boiled. And I think that really is part of it too, because you could say right now, well, if you know that the um, environment's going to collapse, and you know that the nature is against you, why aren't we doing something right now? Why don't we do something about it? Because we're betting, we're gambling on denial that it's not going to be as bad as we think it is. And I well, think that's human nature to do that. Well, yeah, human nature's, I mean, humans are pretty messed up. I mean, why do people, in, in full knowledge that, that cigarettes kill them in all kinds of ways, why do people continue to do it? Well, same for um, heroin, because you're addicted. Sure, exactly. You're, you're addicted to the lifestyle, as William Burroughs would say. It's, you're, um, you're, you're addicted to the process. And it makes your life way more interesting when you've got a goal every day. You know, there's something to that, that, that it can really only come out of a alienated society and a community where you don't feel part of it. Would that make sense? So you're creating this meaning through either smoking cigarettes or any kind of addiction, whether it's gambling or heroin, it makes your life more meaningful. It doesn't mean it's or a good more tolerable. Decision. Or yes. more tolerable in yeah. the short term. And I think it also yeah. affects the way that your brain works too. So your rationale doesn't, you've got brain damage from it. You get brain damage from it. You get addicted to the process of, um, of your de-stressing comes from having a cigarette. You know, I smoked lots of times and you get this relationship with, hey, this is my five minutes. This is my time where I sit quietly and you ponder your painting or you ponder the back alley. Sure. <laughs> And the trick is to give yourself that five minutes without the cigarette. You know, I think, I think in, in, in Nomadland, one of the things that made it really effective is that while they had a name actress, yes. um, they also had many of the, the people in, I agree. in the film were actual road warriors. They were I van think. dwellers. Band dwellers, whatever, right. whatever you want to call yeah, them, yeah, uh, and in, including the one fellow who made it his business to help people. Oh, I love him. He was fascinating. I, uh, I, I subscribe yeah. to his YouTube page. <laughs> right on. Good for you. Yeah. I really recommend it. Was it Bob Wells? Is that his name? Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And he, I also loved his, um, his lessons when he had a little speak around the bonfire at night. It was pretty cool. They give him some clips with his world wisdom. And then they also had the training thing of how to live in the van. They had things that, you, you know, your hacks. How do oh, yeah. you hack what do you lifestyle? do with your shit was one of yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. How do, you, how do you fix up your van? How do you hide your money? Was seemed to be part of it too, right? Yeah. Put it in the door of the car or something. The other part that I thought was really super interesting, and I, I'm hoping people have watched it already, but 
um, was that her sister couldn't understand why she stayed in that small town for so long. That, that did, she couldn't understand her life at all. And you find out that her, there's a little bits of reveal. There is a little bit of a mystery in the story because um, her sister's like, why did you marry that guy? Why did you do that? And you find out that Frances McDormand hooked up her sister with her current husband. She match made them and they're still married and living in her life has that bonus because of France, uh, because of her character, setting them up together. Then you find out she really, Frances McDormand really loved her husband. He was Mr. Social. He loved that town. He lived there. She didn't want to leave it, even when it collapsed, because that was her life with him. And that explains why she didn't go with the other guy. Not that I didn't think she should go with um, him either. I forgot his name now. He's a great oh, actor. Yeah, but uh, you know, at, at, at that point, she realized she couldn't live in that house. She actually liked her new lifestyle. And, totally. and I think there's there was a point in which she goes back to the town in Nevada. And she does. She lived. And she goes back into the house she oh, lived in. Very and moving. she looks out the back door. It's very sentimental, very, uh, very poignant. Um, and, and at that point, it's like now she can move on. Yes. yes. And, she, and she was able to move on. And she no longer wanted to live in that house or any house. Yeah. I mean, she really wanted to live in the moment, to travel, to... Um, uh, was it healing? Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's, maybe she just found a good way to live. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> and you're also, you're seen outdoors more than most people are. You're well, sure. In the outdoors. There's, there's a lot to say freedom, much like the cowboy lifestyle. Why, why do people ride the range? Well, it's the last, one of the last places in which you can, you can live free. Yes. I would say, I think the van dwellers are much closer to hunter and gatherers than they are to cowboys though because they're really eking out something without the capitalist um they've let go of the capitalist framework well they use the ways. capitalist framework they use it to right. their benefit like when, when they're there. near when they're near amazon you pick up right. a gig at yeah. amazon and i love the fact that that amazon is hip to it and has a place where you could park your van yes that's true <laughs> that is very very cool well, you don't you know, have to go park at the walmart because you could park at amazon's right. um little kind of hobo camp. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of crazy that, that they, they have that. Uh, yeah. But also, they at one point, um, and I love this because it's a place I've been, they, they go and they work at Wall Drug. Oh, yeah, Wall Drug. Stag's been there, too. It's Wall Drug. He, he freaked out at the Wall Drug scene. Yes, when, when you, oh, of course, if you've been there even once, it's, it's the most crazy, ridiculous place ever. <laughs> and... You know, there's a comment in there, I think, where the Francis McDormand character says, you know, it's not so bad. Yeah. And in a way, yeah, it is. It's so bad. It's just, well, if you're driving across the country, across America on that road um, through South Dakota, uh, you start seeing signs that will say, see the brontosaurus at Wall Drug. Yeah. Get an ice cream cone at Wall Drug. Right. See the Wild West show at Wall Drug. <laughs> I mean, they, whatever you might want to do, they got it going on at Wall Drug. No, I feel like going. And it's like a fake town. Mm -hmm. or maybe it was a town once. Maybe there yep. was a Wall Drug. I don't know. I don't know the reality of it, but I know they got dinosaurs. They do I know have they dinosaurs. Have, they have shootouts. They have, <laughs> they have restaurants. They have art galleries. They have, you name it, they've got it at Wall Drug. And That's I crazy. love the fact that... Um, 
that that she and uh, this this fellow she was becoming friends with went and worked at Wall Drug. I thought yeah, that was so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanted to say, so I think that that's true. She didn't want to be in the house, but I think it also, we find out she really loved her husband. She didn't want to be maybe with somebody else. That may well be yeah, true it's, too. It yeah. seemed like it. She certainly like it. did really love her husband. Yeah. That definitely does yeah, come out. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, moving into a whole other family, you know, she just didn't want that. She had left her family too already. Made a new family. I mean, she still had her sister, but you know, didn't want to hang out with them. No, she had um, uh, an odd relationship with uh, with her sister who just couldn't understand what she was doing. Right. She just didn't get it. But she didn't understand it when she was living in a house either. That's kind of funny, actually. So she was an outlier for some to, according to her family, she must have been an outlier all of her life. Maybe. Yeah. What a great movie. I just loved it. It's going to be a favorite movie. And I'm those looking sceneries. forward now to read the, read the book yeah, and to yeah. see um, how, first of all, how accurate the film was to the book and how journalistic the book is. Because it was written by a journalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm presuming that means it's not fiction. Right. Um, right. Whereas, whereas clearly some of Nomadland, the film, Sure, her story seems like fiction, but maybe it was pulled from there too. But uh, it, you're you're right. Some of the best moments were that dynamic between an actor being with real people, may, presenting a fictionalized version of themselves. It was just really yes. cool. It was just super cool, and they were in on the game. They were in on the trick, you know. Yes, I, I really like that. Yes, and so you know that they were presenting. Uh, some, there's got to be some accuracy about the flavor, if if it's the 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 real folks living that life, uh, presenting it to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Although they might also be romanticizing it a little bit too. I don't know. I mean, I think that they also know the hardship. I mean, it's got to be cold and lonely sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of it's also kind of attractive. Yeah. Uh, I'm the last person who could ever who could ever do that. I'm like someone who loves, right? Loves a home. Yes, Dave um, does too. Right. Even when I go traveling after a couple of weeks, I want to go back to my home. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm quite comfortable having a strong home base like that. Right. Right. But I really envy people who have the ability to let everything go and to wander the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah. And I guess and have adventures, it just depends right? what you're into, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the part where they're, you know, I liked all the parts where they were talking about the stars and people had all, they were sharing all their information about being outside. I'd like the outside part of it. That part was very, very beautiful and rewarding, I thought. Well, the land has a lot to, to give. Yeah, definitely. Um, I find that the Mountain West is a very unique landscape. It's a remarkable a remarkable expanse of land through Canada and the United States. Um, and having spent uh, a fair bit of time in my life chasing trout in places right. like Montana, Wyoming, yeah. Idaho, Yellowstone, uh, BC, uh, Alberta, uh, you know, I have a very strong appreciation for that. Yeah. Um, when when I see a certain kind of light that you only see in places like Wyoming, um, glinting off the, the the 
brownish hills. It's a really remarkable light. It's the deepest blue that, that you could ever imagine in the sky. And um, there's something there's something about that land that it's very compelling. I, yeah. And I ha not having been there in, in a number of years now, I, I've often thought, you know, I, I miss me a little bit of uh, Montana. I miss yeah. me a little bit of Wyoming. Yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind hanging out in the Crow's Nest River in totally. Alberta for a while. Yeah, that'll work too. That would work too. Hey, we saw some great um, shows at the Art Institute last week. Oh, what'd you see? Oh my God. Absolutely wonderful experience. So there were four exhibits that we saw, really. I thought there was only three, but I remembered a fourth. So first we saw Bisa Butler Portraits a New Jersey artist, and she makes life-scale portraits of African-Americans, some famous, some not, some, and almost all photo-based, and they're real life size, but they're on a quilt. They are mind-blowing. They are so amazing. Now I saw a little postcard of it, and I thought, oh yeah, that looks really good. But when we entered the room, you're taken away. You are gone, oh my God. The fabric, she uses um, fabrics from her ancestors from Ghana, um, Nigeria, and South Africa. And she puts them all together with faces, clothing. Some of them are photos of people from maybe 60, 70 years ago. Um, some seem contemporary, but they some were iconic photographs, and some were famous people. Then she uses chiffon in such a stunning way that she uses this black or gray chiffon and makes it like the shadow of their clothing or the shadow of their leg or the shadow of their dress. And you can't tell at first. You, you think she's used two different types of fabric with a one dyed. It's so incredible. I took a bunch of pictures, so I will post them. But um, we spent a lot of time in that, and they all seem to be from 2018 to 2020. So in a period of over two or three years, um, she's made this massive body of giant quilts, life-size, and then vibrant backgrounds. It's just really one of the most stunning. When, you know, Michelle and Megan came over and they said, oh, you're going to the artist, dude. You're going to, you got to make sure you see the show. I thought, oh, yeah, quilts, textile art. Oh, that sounds great. I did not expect to be quite so blown away. Then we really also went there because the Obama portraits are there. So I don't know if you've heard about that tour. No, I don't know anything about it. It's a big deal in the States because um, every president um, gets a portrait done when they leave office. And they choose the artist usually. And so it's someone who interprets them. Well, Obama, um, Barack Obama's portrait was done by an artist I absolutely love, Kehinde Wiley. And Kehinde Wiley um, is kind of known for repurposing famous classical so-called old masters like he has a napoleon but he puts an african or um, african-american or a black maybe a famous person even in on top of the horse <laughs> and builds it in he has vibrant floral backgrounds that have symbolism in them they're extremely beautiful i think if i showed you a picture right now you would recognize him you've probably seen something he's done um and then michelle obama's portrait was done by amy sherald and she um has they're both oil paintings, so they when you're in the room, you're really blown away by how beautiful they are because the color is just so awesome. And she painted Michelle Obama, and she has a technique where she uses brazel, which is really shades of gray. 
Um, she uses them like uh, the frescoes. So it, it makes you kind of see skin in a different way. It, it doesn't really flatten it out, but it, it kind of makes them transcendent, even more transcendent. Anyway, these two paintings, it wasn't just about the paintings, it was about the spectacle of the viewers. So, of course, this room was getting quite, uh, was very popular. So many people have come out to see these Obama portraits, which are doing a tour around the United States. They're housed in Washington, D.C. Um, it was very moving. It was really moving to see so many families come out and see these paintings and everybody was taking pictures or standing in front of them and getting their picture taken with the portraits. So it wasn't just the paintings which were outstanding. It was also the spectacle of the viewers. It was really incredible. Then the next thing came along and I was not expecting this. His name's Joseph E. Yoakum and he was a self-taught artist. He had He's been... not related to Dwight, no, is he? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at all. Uh, spelled differently. Okay. Um, but it's similar name. Um, I can't remember where he's born, but he was a circus worker. His job, he traveled the world with circuses. And then he came back to Chicago Southside. Yes, more, more people who, who find a, an outside the norm way to live, huh? Yes. The Carnies. Right. Yes, the Carnies <laughs> and um, alternative economy again. Yeah. Uh, so he had a dream in 1962. He was retired, and this dream inspired him to suddenly start to draw. So there's 10 years of, of he, he drew for the rest of his life till he was, um, he passed away in 1972. He was 71 years old when he had that dream. And these drawings are spectacular. They are so charming, so beautiful, and they're the memories of the places he's been around the world. And then he takes a rubber stamp sometimes to officiate them. Um, and then sometimes, I don't know. I, I'm saying that. I'm not sure why he puts a rubber stamp. My feeling was like, gee, is it to be officiated? Like this was done here. And then sometimes it's not the year. He signs it a different year. So it's very interesting. You know, Maybe we used to have a, a rubber, We used to have a rubber stamp that we had made that said the word phooey. P H O O E Y. That's a lot of fun. That's and you could just fun. wherever wherever you felt that that something was just right. a pile of crap, you could just give it a stamp with "fooey." <laughs> oh, that has to be very rewarding. Very. Oh, it rewarding. is totally. Yes. So these are amazing um, magical landscapes done with ballpoint pen, pencil crayons, maybe crayons on paper, and um, oh, they're just incredible. They're just incredible. So we're already mind blown. Then there was also I forgot there was a stained glass. Um, I'm not sometimes into stained glass, but I was interested in this one because it was from 1917, designed by Agnes F. Northrop, and it was a Tiffany window for a Baptist church, Central Baptist Church in Providence, Rhode Island. And somehow it's, I guess it lives at the Art Institute, and they've just found a new way to display it so that the light changes all day long. So this is going to be a very um, interesting uh, piece of work over the years because you can, you know, watch it at different times of day and it's going to look different. It's a pretty incredible stained glass window I have to say um, so we just it was just a, an amazing day at the artist to do the members lounge is not open yet and neither is the cafe or the restaurant uh, hopefully soon because that's another fun thing to do there is just go oh, eat sure. after you look at the art yeah. um, but you know at least it's open to the public and there was lots of people going in lots of tourists in Chicago Some and, galleries um, are opened up here now but I oh. just haven't yet felt ready to go into galleries. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, it's actually Something. a lot of things. And I, I hadn't, 
I hadn't really thought of how much I was affected by COVID. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, um, some of our neighbors, they had a musical block party kind of thing oh. where, where um, our neighbor's band played uh, and another of the neighbors sat in with them. And, and they had a party afterwards in which there was a whole roasted pig. And I, we realized that we just weren't ready for a gathering of a whole bunch of people in a backyard um, sharing food. Um, we just weren't ready for that. Yeah. And so we, we um, you know, we said, sorry, we, we're just not ready for that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's still, I guess, the, the effect of, uh, of, of COVID. You know, there's still Definitely. cases out there. And yep. <coughs> excuse me. As he coughs. As he coughs, yes. Well, hey, yeah, I you... think that's it. You've got to kind of figure out what you're up for. And you're maybe well, still yeah. not up to eating in a restaurant. So you haven't gone to a restaurant. It doesn't make sense you would go to a barbecue. Uh, well, exactly. You know, But we have um, socialized with like two people at a time. Yeah. I think it'll come back. I think when people feel more confident. Of course, now there's that whole Delta variant going through the United States with people who in the States that aren't vaccinated in very large numbers and percentages so it's pretty disturbing oh and i'm I, sure it'll 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 go through that community very right, very fast right so you know i i work on a block where there's about four restaurants and actually there's a cafe opening up pretty soon and um i worked at one restaurant and now i work at a different one but the, one of my friends who i worked with at the first restaurant it's long closed they sold the business when the pandemic happened they just forget it we can't we were already going to retire. We were already going to sell it, but we can't even cope with this pandemic. So as soon as they were legally able to, they, they sold their business. Um, and she's now working at one of the other restaurants. So I see her occasionally. So we walked home. I walked by her place the other night before we went home and caught it, a ride home from her place. And I say hi to her husband. And he looks really shocked that I, I know his name and I'm saying hi to him. And I'm like, it's Candy from La Fontanella, you know? Anyway, the next day I said, Nina, your husband didn't. I don't think you remember me. She goes, his brain fog from COVID. Wow. It's terrible. It's terrible. And he had COVID. They had, all, Her whole family had it last August into September. But he's still in that vibe of the brain wow. fog. So, I mean, that's completely humbling. That is frightening. Uh, she said, you know, he's, he's functioning. But even if they go in the car, they go in the car together just to remind him where to go and stuff. So he was an Uber driver and a taxi driver and a Lyft driver wow. and obviously stopped when the pandemic happened Sure. and didn't get it for months until last summer, months after the wow. pandemic had been around. Yeah. And they all got it. The kids got it. The grandkids got it. Um, and he, he's really still got that long hauler and, and, and it's still with him. Yeah. I was, it's very, very frightening when you see that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Hey, can we jump back for a minute when, when yeah. you were talking about the the portraits of presidents? Yeah. Um, I asked myself, do we have official portraits of our prime ministers? Oh. And I'm not sure the answer to that. Okay. Um, but I do know that <laughs> an artist that uh, I'm very familiar with, uh, William Ronald, did a massive series of, of all the prime ministers of Canada. He did them between <laughs> 1977 and 19... 84 and oh. they're all abstract paintings <laughs> each one named after a prime minister that's funny remarkable remarkable what a great idea that's a great um, idea william ronald was i mean he was part of the 
well, the Painters 11, uh, the first really major modernist painting movement in, in, in Canada. And he later moved to New York, uh, where he had a good deal of success, um, then came back to Canada. And around the time that City TV was starting out, you might remember this. He had a show on City TV called Free For All. No, I didn't know. And anything could happen on Free For All. And he would come out and he would dress in these outlandish outfits with capes and he had a walking <laughs> stick. And he always had babes around him. And, wow. and sometimes he would do a painting on stage, if I mm. remember correctly. Okay. Interesting character, interesting Very. character. And he had a brother in the painting business too. Um, his name was really William Ronald Smith. And um, his brother was John Meredith Smith. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know they were brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, John Meredith is one of the painters, a painting by John Meredith is one of, one of the paintings that caused me to really <laughs> think seriously about wanting to make paintings. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't even remember the title of that painting. Uh, yes. It's it's got these kind of abstract figures that I think it's like orange and turquoise, and the the figures really pop. Um, there, it's difficult to keep your eyes on it. It's a it's an odd painting, but it really vexed me for a long time. It's part of the collection at uh, at the Art Gallery of Ontario, although I don't think that it's been exhibited much in recent years. Um, but yeah, important painter for me. Right. Right. And Very later, of course, um, you know, we exhibited with another member of uh, of the Painters Eleven, Ray Mead. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, in oh, uh, circa circa yeah. nineteen ninety six and yeah. circa nineteen ninety seven, yeah. and what a sweetie! Yes, um, I, you know, in the in circa nineteen ninety seven, one of my paintings hung beside a Ray Mead, and for <laughs> me as a painter, that was one of my proudest moments. I thought that was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was tremendously exciting. And he told these great stories about being the bartender at the uh, at the Painters Eleven openings. <laughs> oh, people must have been pretty wild back then, avant-garde even. So you know what's happening around here right now? What the animals want to eat? Oh no, the animals are fine. I found oh. them really. <laughs> um, the Saskatoon berries are right there. Oh, good. And I'm out there picking them just about every day because yeah. I have competition. Oh, who's out there? Raccoons? No. No. Robins. Oh, robins. See, robins. the birds are, that's like the sparrows eating our lettuce. Oh, and it's so funny to watch the robins. They, they fly right into the bush. <laughs> and then you see that they'll grab a berry and the, the, uh, the Saskatoon berry bushes are quite flexible so they pull on the berry and they pull and pull and pull and finally it separates and, and the the bush bounces back and yeah. the bird has to regain its balance and then wow. it flies off and another one goes in so this morning i was out there picking because the robins were really going after these saskatoons and i don't mind sharing but i would like a share as well yeah okay that's true so i was out this morning and <laughs> Um, I was picking on, on one side of the bush. The robins were flying into the no, other side of the bush no. while I was picking 
my share. They were getting their share because they didn't want me to pick the ball. You gotta take the camera out tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, really. I I've had the camera out a few times, and as soon as I bring the camera out, there's no robins to be seen. In the even when you're picking, and they get threatened. <laughs> Okay, try I had morning. the camera with me this morning when I oh, was picking. And you, I probably could have got a shot or two. Yeah, just just keep picking those berries and hold it in one hand, right? So I, I picked them, and um, then I made um, Saskatoon berry banana walnut loaf. Oh, that sounds good. Sounds very good. It is very good, and I'll just give a brief recipe, and we'll have a okay, quick, good. quick comfort food diner yeah, segment here because it's really good. Um, it, you do this when you have um, old bananas. You need about three old bananas. Well, you put them in this time, I hope. Uh, yes, I did. Put them in. <laughs> yes, I put in the damn bananas. Um, so it's the same recipe, really. Okay. Uh, very, very simple. You have um, you have a bowl for your wet ingredients, a bowl for your dry ingredients. Uh, your wet ingredients are a uh, half cup of oil your bananas, um, uh, some sugar, uh, however much you really want. They suggest a cup. I use less than that. Uh, but I used probably a half a cup and a, and a little bit of molasses as well because I saw we had some molasses and I thought, oh, that'll be good. Um, some vanilla, uh, the Saskatoon berries, and then you whisk in two eggs. And then in the other bowl, you have two cups of flour, teaspoon of salt, teaspoon of baking powder, teaspoon of baking soda. Um, you have your walnuts, uh, however size pieces that, that you like. And um, you kind of use a fork to get all that uh, mixed together because you want to make sure, particularly your baking powder and your baking soda get mixed thoroughly. And then you stir your dry ingredients into your wet ingredients. And uh, you bake it for about an hour at 325 Fahrenheit. And man, is it good. Uh, that loaf is almost gone now. Oh, funny. Because we've had to repeatedly test it to make sure right, it was okay. Right. In the interest of science. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, you know what? I'm going to try and um, see if we can make this when, I'm, when I get there. But um, I had, have you, I, I think I told you about this, elote. It's street corn. You know, I love my street food. We both love our street food. Oh, and I know and you're a Chicago, big fan of corn. I'm not a big fan of corn because corn does give me a tummy ache, and I don't like too much corn. I don't like corn syrup in my food. Um, so this thing, though, is really good. I love street food, and like you. And this is really the season for street food in my neighborhood. Neighbors even put up tents, and then they just make their family recipes recipes out in the street nice and it's super affordable and you have to wonder why you even cook you might as well just go down the street and find some either sandwiches or burritos well, why not, huh? or, no, it's, it's incredible um and i told you the quesadillas they're long gone these women made the most incredible quesadillas long gone i haven't had one since um they had their fingers were poetry they were poets with their quesadilla making anyway but this is elote and it's I, I looked up trying to find the recipe because a friend of mine made it and i was like well i guess that's possible we could make our own and it's something called cojita cheese which is um kind of like parmesan it starts out like uh cow's milk but it can be soft and then it gets crunchy and 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 almost like parmesan some cilantro lime chili powder mayo and butter and corn so on the street they'll take a they'll have a bunch of roasted corn 
and they'll put it in um, um, a cooler, but it, they keep it warm, right? Rather than a cooler will keep food warm as well as keeping it cold. So um, they'll pull out this corn in the cob and peel it off with a knife, cut it fresh, put it into a big tall cup, but they layer every inch or so with mayonnaise, this cheese, and lime and chili powder and butter. It's insanity. It's mm. insane, insane. So the idea of making it yourself hadn't occurred to me, occurred to me, but I'll try to bring that cheese with me and see if you know I can make it. All right. Yeah, I have some because my friend made some at work, so I'm kind of excited. I've been eating it like crazy. Um, I can eat it cold or hot. It's supposed to be warm, though. <laughs> but it is crazy. There used to be a lady who made uh, pupusas in Kensington Market. Mm. Um, back in the day. And I used to find excuses to go to Kensington Market just so yeah. I could get pupusas for lunch. Oh, my God. They are so, so good. And I was thinking about them recently because um, I made up a mixture of um, ingredients that I could take to make fry breads camping. Mm. And I thought, these are kind of like pupusas. Right. And I don't know exactly what goes into a pupusa, except that, you know, it's a, it's a griddle cake and it has cornmeal typically in it. Um, but I don't know what other ingredients are in. I imagine, oh, I'm you know, there's Google some baking powder. And, um, hey, was the movie you were thinking of before with Viggo Morganson and Captain Fantastic and you watched it a while ago? No, it wasn't that one. It, it wasn't, wasn't that one. It wasn't oh, that one. Okay. It was a, that was quite an excellent film. Because that was, again, about incorporating going back into dominant society from uh, alternative living, right? Yes. You know, and actually in my mind, I may have taken that one and the other one I was thinking of. <laughs> and I together. may have jammed them together. Because okay. you know I have been known to jam movies together. Right. Yeah, we'll to figure it movie out. movie mashups. Well, then there was the Australian one where they lived out and she caught, she caught the wild boar we watched a while ago too. But oh, I, yes. I can't think of the movie at all that you were thinking of. Hmm. I guess it'll come to us tomorrow after we publish this blog. <laughs> Well, this podcast, yeah, I'll this see if I can look it up. Okay. Movie about <laughs> living off the grid. Oh, there's so many. How are you going to find that? Well, because I will probably recognize the title. All right. Um, I'm looking at the best, the 18 best off-grid, <laughs> off-grid homesteading movies there of all time. It's a list I already am intrigued by. I want all right, to hear you want, that. I'm going to go down the list here. Oh, please do. We have... Um, Number one, 127 hours. Okay. Based on the true story of an outdoor explorer who finds himself trapped in the canyon lands yep. of Utah. Watched it. You saw it? Okay. It was Danny good. Boyle. Danny Boyle movie. I very torturous. He has to cut yeah. off his arm to get away. Oh, I hate the cut off your arm movie. <laughs> and if you have to eat somebody's arm, I hate it more. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, backcountry is number two. A couple's romantic backpacking trip goes horribly wrong when they find themselves lost in the wilderness without a map, phone, or supplies. They have to learn how to survive without modern amenities while making their way back to civilization. Okay, the third one, Captain Fantastic, which we talked about. Um, the next one is Castaway. I love one that of Tom movie. Hanks' best performances love ever. Love it, love it. Classic survival tale. Um, far from home while sailing oh, a on a sailing one. trip with his father, a boy and his dog are thrown overboard yeah. into the thrashing ocean. Yeah. Um, Goodbye world is number six. Um, number seven hours. Uh, about Katrina. 
Just as Katrina is threatened to make landfall, a young husband gets the surprise of his life as his wife goes into early labor. Number eight, I am legend. If killer zombies and the risk of infection weren't enough to make you go crazy, total isolation on Earth will do the trick. Um, Into the Wild. Oh, that's a beautiful Into the one. Wild is the one. Into the Wild oh, is the one I was thinking Oh, okay. Of. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie, but super sad. It's a lesson about don't assume you can conquer nature. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, maybe that isn't the one I was thinking of. Oh. That's no, that isn't the, the one. That isn't that's, the one. Okay. That isn't the <laughs> one. No. Uh, number 10 is Sanc- Sanctum. Number 11 that's a sanctum's an underwater dive team sets off on an expedition. Mm, yeah, hey, you know, that. there's some that's movies here fiction. that we can watch. There we can are. consult this list later. All right. Um, number, number 11, Snowbound, fresh-faced young couple traveling with their newborn infant son mm-hmm. encounter snowy conditions. Mm-hmm. There you go. There the you Beach. Go. Oh, that's Great a good book, one. Oh, bad movie. It. Yeah, I like the movie too, though. But you the like book's the really too? good, yeah. The book the- is a fabulous book. Yeah, I thought yeah. the movie was a letdown compared to the book. But the, the, the Danny Boyle's was, was on really two great. of those lists. He's got two movies on there. Uh, number 13, The Gray. Oh, the gray. After I think a crash I saw landing, a group of survivors must face harsh natural, natural elements. Um, they're giving Alaska a bad name here. A lot of these I take know. place in Alaska. Uh, number 14, The Impossible. Family on vacation in Phuket, <laughs> Thailand. Look forward to a few oh. relaxing days. Uh-oh. But no, 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 no. The wild Andaman Sea has a different plan. Uh-oh. And there's a massive tsunami. Uh, oh. Number 15, The Revenant. Yeah. I managed to avoid seeing that one. <laughs> uh, the Road, number 16. Uh, yeah, number 17. Shouldn't be on that list. Uh, the Shallows. It pays to know how I to self-suture. That <laughs> <laughs> At least that's the lesson in the shark attack movie, The Shallows, with Blake Ooh. Lively. The oh, young yeah, 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 yeah. plays an American surfer, traveled down to Mexico right. to surf on a secluded beach. Little does she know she's not alone. Oh, God. No, she's stalked by a great white yeah, shark. I don't call that. I don't call some of these movies what we started thinking about being off the grid, but I guess they are. I guess they are. And number 18, The Survivalist. Oh. And world where overpopulation has caused widespread starvation. Okay. And the breakdown of society. One man lives on a plot of land hidden deep in the forest because he ain't eating no soil and green. <laughs> okay. Now, well, that's now quite I'll a never, list. Now I'll never find no. that movie. It's going to come to you tonight. You'll remember it later. And okay, I'll, have well, to, I'll have to fix, do a fix. That's right. Week. Well, um, we would like to hear about any movies you think about or recommend, or if you like Survivor movies. Are you aware of any Canadian portraits of uh, Prime Ministers? And you can email us at theagency.podcast at gmail.com. And we like getting mail. We, we are happy campers when we get mail. Yep, yep. All kinds of uh, any ideas, any thoughts, anything you would like to add to a discussion of Nomadland? What are we missing? Yeah, so you got a different perspective on yeah, Nomadland. on anything we're talking about. And on living off. Have you ever lived off the grid? I'd like to know that too. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to know. I'd like to hear your story. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. And, well, next week, oh, I, yeah. I think. Are we going to be doing? Um, yes. Are we going to be doing a podcast from the yes. same city yes. in front of the so. same microphone? I mean, you know, as long as I can cross the border, if I have a negative COVID test today, 
which I think I will. And hopefully I hope they so. won't make you go into quarantine. Well, then I have to come back home. Yeah. We'll see. It seems, it seems it's really unclear. Um, it does seem unclear, but I'm feeling positive. All right. Yeah. It's a long drive based on a positive feeling, yeah. but you know. Yeah. Um, it's only four hours if I can't get across. Okay. Right. Well, that's look, at, look at it that way. And then four hours back. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a nice yeah. little All right. afternoon drive. Yeah, so hopefully we'll be doing the podcast from your uh, your little table there. And you'll find out next week, same bad time, same bad channel. That's right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye.